Welcome to Heart in Art, the podcast that connects people through creativity. I'm your host, Danny Vanderbrook, a UK-based fiction writer and freelance journalist. It's 2021 and the third year of Heart in Art. This year, we'll be continuing on our exploration of artistic paradigms before we return to our earlier format of inviting guests on the show to share their work and passion. Continuing on with our art history series, this episode will focus upon the aesthetic of the Baroque with reference to European classical music. I'd like to give acknowledgement and massive thanks to the music of the Baroque and the Baroque Music Organisation, along with Wikipedia for some of the autobiographical details that I refer to today. The term Baroque, coined by 19th century critics, describes the period in Western European music between 1600 to around 1750. The name derives from the Portuguese Barocco, or oddly shaped pearl. This analogy tells us the music of Vivaldi and Handel's era sounded overly ornamented and exaggerated to listeners at the time. This was during the period of the Copernican Revolution, when our scientists began to accept the planets didn't revolve around the Earth, but the Sun. This made the cosmos seem much larger and mysterious. Philosophers like Descartes, Hobbes, Spinoza and Locke tackled the big questions of existence, and European colonisation and resulting trade was rife. So what did this exciting period in history add to European musical development? Some key musical conventions were contrast as a dramatic element, monody and the advent of basso continuo, and the use of different instrumental sounds. Contrast between loud and soft, solo and ensemble, as in the concerto, different instruments and timbres all play an important role in many Baroque compositions. Composers also began to be more precise about instrumentation, often specifying the instruments on which a piece should be played, instead of allowing the performer to choose. Instruments like the trumpet and the violin also grew in popularity. There was also a practice of basso continuo, which was a method of musical notation in which the melody and bass line were written out and a harmonic filler indicated in a sort of shorthand. During the Baroque period, the concept of melody and harmony as we know them today began to be articulated. Composers started focusing less on the polyphony that dominated 15th and 16th century music, and more on a single voice with a simplified accompaniment, or monody. The Greeks and the Romans felt music was a form of rhetoric, so one can see how a musical soloist could have been perceived as a kind of powerful orator telling the story. Modern ensembles have to make informed choices before each Baroque performance, as these scores contain little, if any, information about elements like articulation, ornamentation or dynamics. Mechanical differences between Baroque and modern instruments also suggest the older instruments would have sounded a little differently, so ensembles like music of the Baroque often adjust their technique to allow for this. So our first piece is by Domenico Scarlatti, one of six concertos in seven parts, number four in G minor. Thank you. 
The six concertos in seven parts were two violins and violoncello obbligato, with two violins, more a tenor and thorough bass, were published in London under the above title by Benjamin Cook in 1740. The fact they were published some 15 years after the composer's death was quite unusual for the time, 
It's thought perhaps the publisher was cashing in on the popularity of the Scarlatti name. Scarlatti composed in a variety of musical forms, although today he's known mainly for his 555 keyboard sonatas. He spent much of his life in service of the Portuguese and Spanish royal families as an accomplished harpsichordist. There's a story of a trial of skill with George Friedrich Handel at the palace of Cardinal Ottoboni in Rome. Scarlatti was judged possibly superior to Handel on the harpsichord, though inferior on the organ. Scarlatti was heralded as the greatest Italian harpsichord composer of all time. Later in life, he crossed himself in veneration when speaking of Handel's skill. While in Rome, Scarlatti composed several operas for Queen Casimiri's private theatre. He was maestro di cappella at St. Peter's from 1715 to 1719. The second composer that we'll focus on is Antonio Vivaldi. 1678 until 1741. Vivaldi was employed in Venice for most of his working life by the Ospedale della Pieta. Often termed an orphanage, this place was in fact a home for the female offspring of noblemen and their numerous dalliances with mistresses. The Ospedale was well endowed by the anonymous fathers, with furnishings bordering on the opulent. Young ladies were well looked after and the musical standards were amongst the highest in Venice. This accounts to a major extent for the enormous variety of instrumentation in Vivaldi's output. They were actually written as exercises that he would play with his many talented pu- uh, with his many talent with his many talented pupils. Vivaldi also composed many operas which were performed in Venice and other Italian cities, later attaining Europe-wide popularity. On a visit to Mantua, he made the acquaintance of the singer Anna Giraud or Giro, as she moved to live with him. Vivaldi maintained she was no more than a housekeeper and a good friend, just like Anna's sister Paulina, who also shared his house. He was a prolific writer of operas as well as concerted works. Between 1725 and 1728, eight operas were premiered in Venice and Florence. Abbot Conti wrote of his contemporary Vivaldi, In less than three months, Vivaldi has composed three operas, two for Venice and a third for Florence. The last has given something of a boost to the name of the theatre of that city and has earned a good deal of money. So the piece by Antonio Vivaldi is Concerto in G minor for two cellos and an orchestra. Thank you. 
Baroque composer we'll investigate today is Johann Sebastian Bach. Johann Sebastian was born on March 21st, 1685, the son of the court trumpeter for the Duke of Eisenach and director of musicians of the town of Eisenach. For many years, members of the Bach family held positions such as organists, town instrumentalists or cantors. That's someone who leads religious congregation in song or prayer. The Bach family name enjoyed a wide reputation for musical talent. Bach studied the organ and harpsichord under his brother and quickly mastered all the pieces he'd been given. When a new organ was installed at Ordruff Church, Johann Sebastian watched its construction. His brother encouraged him to study composition and set Sebastian to copying music by German organist composers, such as Jakob Froberger, Johann Kaspar Kerr, and Pachelbel. Bach's excellent soprano voice earned him a position in the choir of the wealthy Michaelis Monastery at Lüneburg. In 1708, Bach lived in Weimar and succeeded Johann Effler, a musician of some standing as court organist. The organ was new and not quite as large as the one he first played at Arnstadt. After a few years, Bach declared it was inadequate and should be rebuilt. It was in fact rebuilt, at great expense according to his plans, proof of the high regard the court had for his capabilities as organist, an expert on organ construction. During this period, he wrote profusely for the organ, and he was rapidly becoming known throughout the country as one of the, as one of the greatest German organists. Pupils came to him from far and wide, and he was asked to test or dedicate many organs in various towns. His tests were extremely thorough, and he used to say for fun, above all, I must know whether the organ has a good lung, and pulled out all of the stops to produce the largest sound possible, often making the organ builders go pale with fright. So we'll listen to the harpsichord concerto in D minor. This concerto has remained the most popular of the collection from the 19th century onwards. Felix Mendelssohn played it, and Johann Brahms wrote a cadenza for it. The first publication was in 1838 by the Kistner Publishing House. It was often played and recorded with a piano in the 20th century, though with the rise of historically informed performance from the 60s, it's now regularly played on the harpsichord again. <laughs> Thank you. 
right, I hope you enjoyed the pieces and composers that we chose to focus on today. As you can see, the Baroque period was a massive paradigmatic change, a time of development in music, which has left us with some of the most famous composers whose music that we still love today. If you want to comment on today's show, please contact us on our Facebook page. I'd just like to end with acknowledgement and thanks to the Music of the Baroque and the baroquemusic.org site whom a lot of their information was used in today's show. And we'll see you next time.